We're also recording this at a different time than we normally record. We're recording at 1.15 in the afternoon. Oh, speaking of, uh, we are recording at 1.15 in the afternoon. We normally record after the kids go to bed. Um, because Matt had to um, uh, had business to take care of. So uh, at this point, Matt has walked away from the screen, and uh, it is me. Welcome to the Beers and Ears podcast. Here are your hosts, Casey Woolley and Matthew Brown. Hold on to your pants, everybody. We are going all the way back to the 1990s with today's episode. Well, kind of. 1990s nostalgia, that is, with Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Welcome into the Beers and Ears podcast. My name is Casey. And my name is Matt. Yes, we're, we're, it's not a throwback, it's a comeback. Wasn't that the kind of like marketing ploy? I think that ploy? was the lie, yes. And then, of course, my favorite part was... There's no reason to have some famous rock star sing the song. Everybody just wants the original song sung, and then they have a rock star sing the song. So, yeah, <laughs> we are talking Chippendale Rescue Rangers today on the Beers and Ears podcast. We promised you some more Disney content. But before we get there, a couple of uh, things we want to uh, cover up front, just news-related things. Uh, Matt, did you see the news from Disneyland over the weekend that apparently Main Street Electrical Parade came in and goes out at the end of the summer? <laughs> Yeah, very, very quick, which, you know, on one hand, I don't necessarily hate because I like limited runs of things. It makes it more special when you do see it. However, the Main Street Electrical Parade or whatever variation of that, I don't understand why that's not just a staple in the park. Well, okay. So something I will say that was really weird when we were out there, and I'm wondering if there was just too much. Literally, okay, the park was open until midnight. There were three different nighttime entertainments in Disneyland alone, not even California Adventure. Yeah. You had Fantasmic. You had Main Street Electrical Parade. You had Disneyland Forever Fireworks. Then you had a repeat of Fantasmic that night, a repeat of the Main Street Electrical Parade, and a repeat of the Disneyland Fireworks. They had six different shows going every night. Like, that is a lot of entertainment to try to squeeze into that little park, you know? You're not wrong. <laughs> and yeah, honestly, yeah. I was not a fan that they brought it back to begin with. Don't get me wrong. I, I mean, the parade's okay. It's not my favorite. But, like, it was supposed to have gone away forever when it went away. You know, I think it was uh, glowing away forever was the phrase. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're, they did a bunch of puns when it was going away. Yeah, and then here they bring it back and they announce all this craziness and then it's like five days or five months, if that, and then boom, it's gone. But I think it shows how much of a cash cow that Main Street Electrical, electrical Parade is. Maybe. That it's not going to go away forever. It reminds me of when Taco Bell brought in the Doritos Locos Tacos. And it was like, uh. we're limited time only. Get it. And then they realized, wait a minute. This is actually making us a ton of money. We need to keep this. <laughs> yeah, and of course, the, taco, the the Mexican pizza, they got rid of it, and they brought it back, and now they can't keep it in stock because everybody wanted it. It's exactly, exactly. I so, know. I mean, it, you know, I, I, get I, it. I have a feeling, I have a feeling that they brought it back to celebrate the 50th anniversary. I would be shocked if we don't see Paint the Night return here pretty soon. Yeah, I, they're going to they're gonna keep something. I want to see them bring Paint the Night over to Walt Disney World so bad. Oh, my God. I want to see them do it so bad. That is, like, the coolest parade. I believe I have seen Paint the Night, but um, all those nighttime parades all kind of feel very similar to me. Okay. Where it's, you know, just cool light up floats and cool music um i mean now, i get paint the night's a little bit different but yeah it's it's yeah but i i know what you're saying i see what you're saying there so 
Anyway, what is the other news uh, out of the Marvel Universe that we want yeah. to Yeah, so I, I just want to touch on this. We'll probably do a special MCU episode uh, with somebody. I don't know who yet. We'll decide that. But, you know, Ms. Marvel just ended. And I think this was, this is a revolutionary series in a lot of ways. Um, you know, partly this is, you know, the first Muslim hero um, and, and, and Muslim culture being infused into the, uh, into the, the storyline. But uh, they have now, but the other reason um, that it's, is they really went away from the source material where her comic book origins are very different from MCU origins. And, and I'm okay with this because the MCU is different than the comics. We've talked about that before. But the big news is that they dropped that uh, that in the last episode, um, after analyzing her DNA, her DNA has a mutation, and they mm-hmm. used that exact wording. And so it is believed that um, in terms of like the Earth 616, because obviously we've seen Professor X in uh, Multiverse of Madness, uh, she is the first mutant, which is causing a little bit of a stir, I think, amongst fans, but I, I, I don't hate it. I and I, I because she was a re- she's a really cool character and she was an inhuman in uh in the comics and they're just not going the inhuman route they're just so not that, doing that, it that's what I read so the article that I read um which I don't know I it was it was in a spoiler support group that I'm in I can't remember exactly what the article was from but it actually was the first time that I've seen Marvel fans questioning Kevin Feige which is really weird because we don't see that all that often. Like Kevin has kind of been untouchable in everything that he's done, but a lot of the fans were saying like, um, you know, you know, this is just Kevin. Kevin's always had a disdain for inhumans. He never wanted to bring them into the MCU. So this is his way of rewriting, rewriting history or rewriting the comics. But I think something else that was said that I think makes a lot of sense is that the MCU is not the comics. And we have to be very clear of that. The MCU had a very different challenge that it had to, um, that it had to uh, meet when it first started its thing. And that was to bring non-comic book fans into the mythos of, of the, the the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it's done a really good job of that. And I think some of the reason why some of those fans may be departing, myself included, is that it has gotten a little hard to follow when they try to go down the the rabbit hole that is the comic book route. So I think Kevin's got to really, Feige's got to really bridge this divide between the two and figure out a way, you know, how can I keep my, my comic book fans along and still keep my non-comic book fans along alike? You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think that this does a great job with that, where where mutants, X-Men, that's what the lay people know. Inhumans is not something that the lay people know. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Black Bolt and Multiverse of Madness, people were not like, oh, yeah, the, the casual person was like, oh, yes, Black Bolt, and that, that gives me Medusa and Karnak, and uh, they're just not doing that. And I think we forget, they tried Inhumans. Honestly, had Inhumans the series worked then she probably would have been an inhuman. But because it didn't, they kind of went, okay, clearly people are not interested in that or that's not where we want to go. We want to bury that. Let's People clearly want mutants. Let's start this, you know, look, we have the access to the mutants now. They are in this universe. I mean, because to me what that signals, if nothing else, it just signals that Kevin Feige is saying, listen, we're working on it. 
we're yeah, working on it. Yeah, I agree. And I think Feige's got a really interesting challenge ahead of him. And I got to admit, I'm even guilty of this, too, where it's been like, all right, bring in the X-Men. Let's, let's see the X-Men as they were in the Fox franchise. And yeah, would that dramatic reveal be really, really cool if they did that? Yep. But what happens next? Because you're not going to necessarily want to rehash what the Fox franchise did. You're going to want to put your own spin, your own stank, if you will, on on the X-Men, on on the, the, the stuff that came from Fox. And, you know, you're not going to be able to get necessarily the actors that played all of the different mutants and all the different X-Men back, nor would you want them, you know, that, you know, whether it's the young, the, 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 the newer series of X-Men, the older series of X-Men, obviously Fantastic Four never did all that great to begin with. No, right. No, you so, don't want Fantastic so like, Four back. <laughs> but like, how do you, you know, you got to put your own, your own kind of spin on it. And like I said, I've been guilty of, Oh my God, the, the reveal would be awesome. But in the same regard, it's got to be MCU's version of that reveal, you know? Yeah, and, and that's where I'm okay with it, that this is the MCU. This is a different, it's different, and that's okay. And th- I think this is just the first time it's really diverged differently. Like, there's been subtle nuances that are different, but mm-hmm. this is the first time that it's really diverged. But, yeah. I mean, overall, I don't want to belabor the series, but the series is delightful. It's a very delightful series. Um, some really cool visual things that they did with it. Um and even, as I said, like the culture pieces of it too, and um, her parents as well. Like part of part of this whole series is her family, and it's uh, the 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 relationship that she has with her family is is very very good. Well, I honestly think that's actually a, a decent segue into what we're going to talk about, which is this idea of the old becoming new, and and uh, you know, as I said at the top of the show, you know, we're going to be talking about the Chippendales Rescue Ranger. Uh, comeback, or or what is basically the movie that uh, that that, that uh, came out back in May, um, basically revitalizing the Rescue Rangers, which is a favorite, um, a favorite of every '90s kid out there. Um, I remember some of the earliest video tapes that I owned, not even in my house when I lived in Michigan on Norma, but this was like, goes back to like the, the first house I lived in until I was about seven years old were Chippendale rescue ranger tapes. And I remember very clearly one episode of Chippendale rescue rangers. It was one where I think it was fat cat. I'm not sure, but whoever the villain was, he owned like this Fabergé egg. Okay. Got stolen or something, and and they were trying to figure out the case of the Fabergé egg. I I remember that episode so clearly, and then I remember going over to my really great friend TJ's place when my brother and I were kids, and we would be in his basement. I mean, I couldn't have been much older than ten years old at the time, and we played the Chippendale Rescue Rangers video game. Yeah. That for the NES. I've played that game. Oh, they got YouTube like like playthrough videos that I've just sat and watched. And to this day, that game still holds up. The graphics for that game hold up. The, the, despite the fact that it was on the NES, the graphics for that game really hold up. They did a whole like afternoon cartoons collection. Like there's a Scrooge McDuck game. Yes, and yes there is. The Absolutely. Duck game DuckTales and... game. And, and I think a Tailspin game. And yeah, you know, this probably Darkwing Duck game. They, oh, there is a Darkwing Duck game. Don't even get me started on that. But I just remember coming home from school and catching that whole afternoon lineup of Darkwing Duck, Tailspin, uh, Rescue Ranger. I mean, Rescue Rangers actually predates that. But yeah. but yeah, so my point is Disney knew exactly what they were doing with the nostalgia on this. 
But what I don't think any of us were expecting was the meta way that they went about this. And at least in my opinion, Matt, and then I'll give you a chance to, to share your thoughts. They hit it out of the park, man. They hit it out of the park. I 100% agree with you. This movie was so much fun. It is such a fun movie. Um, it's it's funny. It, the There's so many Easter eggs. Like, you could watch it 50 times and probably not get all the Easter eggs that are in there. Mm-hmm. Um, the nods to Disney. The Who Framed Roger Rabbit kind of feel to it. So, like, if you liked that movie, it very much has a similar feel. Dancing the Roger Rabbit with Roger Rabbit? Roger, like, yep. come on. Like, that is amazing. He makes a great appearance. I love how they explained away because the first thing that a lot of people are like, wait a minute, John Mulaney is voicing Chip and Andy Samberg is voicing Dale. How does that work? They have, you know, squeaky voices. And well, it turns out that those are their stage voices. Yep, and- yep. Just like Z- uh, Zip- Z- Zipper, Zipper has um, has a stage, vo- has no voice, but actually talks with that really deep voice uh, as the yeah. actor, right? Which I think is hilarious, yeah, you know? Yeah, absolutely hilarious. You know, it, it a, a really fun, like, mystery but not something that you have to like really keep full track of like it, it it's this is I mean, this is what we talk about all the time in this pod this is a rewatchable movie yes this, this is a movie this is kind of like what muppets have done like did with like the haunted mansion it, it, like it made fun of itself but there was still a plot there like yeah. this, like this is if this wasn't what it was, I could see the Muppets doing something like this. Like this yeah. is that kind of a Muppet sense of humor. I know how much you appreciate the Muppets and I'm becoming more and more likable to them. So Well, time. and I I also love John Mulaney's delivery of the lines that he's supposed to give like what what was written for him. Mm-hmm. So like um uh you know the whole like she said her grandma videotaped uh, videotaped the episodes for her. Grandparents are horrible with technology. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's, that is 100% John Mulaney, by the way. Like, yeah. I love John Mulaney. I, I think we've talked about the What's New Pussycat on this podcast. Oh, before. yes. And in fact, I think I put it in one of the episodes a few episodes <laughs> back. The What's New Pussycat, like 30 times or whatever in the diner in Chicago, which is hilarious. But just as well as John Mulaney, Andy Samberg does a great job with Dale. Now, the one thing I will say is, you know, it's Andy Samberg. And, oh, and yeah. that is one of the one of the gripes I did have with the movie was that I, I'm a huge fan of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Like, that is yeah. a nice show. And all I could see was Jake Peralta delivering the lines as Dale. Like, that was where my – that's where Nate and I were like, like, that is such a Jake Peralta thing to say. So well, My favorite moment from that show is is the cold open where it's – they have a police lineup, and he's like, oh, you know, but I heard him singing. He's like, well, what was he singing? He's like, I, was that Backstreet Boys song, I Want It That Way? I'm familiar. Number one, could you sing the opening to I Want It That Way? <laughs> they go through and <laughs> Thing I wanted yes. that way. That, that, is, that I mean, show, that show, for those of you, as a side note, for those of you who have never seen that show, highly recommended. If you just want to get a general idea of what that show is about, what you need to check out are all of the Halloween episodes when they do the Halloween yeah. competition. There's like six of them, and one happens during Valentine's Day because of COVID. So, like, you seriously need to watch. Like, that right there tells you everything you need to know about the show. Yes. It is a hilarious show. But I digress. We come back to come back. So let, no, you're, let's you're right. Like, it is – like, both of those characters were very much – like, it takes on a little bit of the personality of the actors. So you just have to kind of, like, watch that. Yeah. Let's so let's talk a little bit about the plot. So so the idea here is again spoilers ahead. 
Um, you know, so the idea here is that Chip and Dale, they're, they're real actors. Uh, they, they're tunes, like Roger Rabbit is a tune, if you will. Um, and the show Rescue Rangers was a popular show back in the 90s. And um, uh, uh, Dale was going to go on to kind of star in his own show. And right, Double O Dale. Double O Dale. And, and, um, and Chip kind of found out about it. Then they ended up, the show got canceled and they kind of went their own, you know, separate ways. And here we are, you know, 30 years later since that all happened. And um, uh, um, their friend, the Monty, um, basically finds himself in trouble and, and they have to go and try to find him because Monty gets kidnapped. And it turns out to be this huge, huge thing that's going on and, and, Peter Pan's the villain, um, oh, that, which that, I think is just hilarious in my book. Yes, I, I I love so yes. Peter Pan's an older Peter Pan is the villain. Like basically, so it was you know he an got older, the big fatter Peter Pan. Yes, yeah. So he got the big break as Peter Pan, but then he became a teenager. It's like the plot of uh, uh, um, Despicable Me Three, where the villain is uh, uh, voiced by by Trey Parker, and it's like the '80s guy that gets his voice starts changing and so people start hating him yeah um, yeah, yeah it's basically that um and so uh uh yeah so he's like this he runs this like cartel of of kidnapping tunes and uh basically what he's doing is he he rebrands them to look similar enough but not similar yeah. so he can uh make money off of like bootleg movies exactly uh, the the example that they use is that flounder, and so I love that like flounder is in trouble with the mob is just really right, funny to me. Right, I just uh, I, I absolutely think it's funny. And then the way they go about kind of making you suspect the 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 one live action character that you basically see the entire time, um, Ellie Steckler, who's the rookie LAPD officer, and you make her suspect or you make you you begin to suspect that she's really the villain, even though if you look at all the evidence, clearly the the Gumby wannabe. <laughs> Is the is the villain the the um uh the, the police the chief the police chief yeah he's clearly Captain Putty is his name voice ironically again by J K Simmons who is yes. from plenty of other uh, franchises including the Spider Man franchise so um so yeah so let's start here I mean obviously we've talked overall impressions did you have any like favorite parts or you know, obviously you talked about the way John Mulaney talked or kind of voiced his character. Were there any moments that you just, I think were, that were absolutely a hoot for you? The conventions were like, yes. where Dale is sitting with Lumiere and ugly Sonic. Yes. Uh, ugly Sonic was great. I, I love that. He actually had a part. Like it wasn't just like a cameo. It was an actual yeah. part to play, which is ironic because the whole ugly Sonic thing. I mean, it didn't happen all that long ago when they yeah. dumped all that stuff, you know, and for those of you who don't know what ugly Sonic is. So, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog was scheduled to come out several years ago, probably four or five years ago. Um, they released the art, the initial art for for Sonic the Hedgehog. They released a trailer. Yeah, well, okay, yeah, you're right. It was a full trailer. I mean, they had basically almost all this animation done, and the fans went berserk, and not it berserk in a bad. good way. It looked horrible. It was like, bad. What were the filmmakers thinking to bring it? Like, could they not take the lovable character that we all love and make him 3D? Of course they could, but they didn't do that. So the, the, the filmmakers went back to the drawing board and said, all right, we're going to give another year or two. We're going to redo this because we heard you. And they came back with what he should look like. And I actually think there were even some fan films out there of what he should have looked like, which told them that they could do this. And it ended up being a hundred percent better. In fact, Sonic holds the, 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 um, 
the spot on my book of the very last movie that I saw in the theaters before COVID hit, and I didn't see a movie again for two more years after that. Yeah. Yeah, and I hear the sequel was wildly well, popular se- You haven't well. seen the sequel? I haven't seen the sequel yet. Oh, it's good. Yeah, the sequel's good. You got Tails and Knuckles in there. Yeah, it, that's it was, what I hear. A, so good. So, I mean, you know, so so they – I cannot believe that they gave Ugly Sonic a, a part in this. Um, so I, I, I just like all those interactions. I love the – I love the, I mean, this is what I liked about who framed Roger rabbit, where it's like, they're all in this world together. They're mm-hmm. actors. They all interact with each other. That's really, really fun. Um, my, my was, per, one of my personal favorites was how they were poking fun at the live action versus the animated and how you could get that live action look. And, you know, obviously uh, Dale had gotten it, but the CGI um, surgery, the CGI surgery, but like they had Baloo in there, but it wasn't Baloo from the cartoon. It was Baloo from the new jungle book from, yes. the, the, you know, I thought that was just hilarious. Although Bill Murray didn't voice so much kind of disappointing. I would have loved to. Yeah. I'm not surprised that Bill Murray didn't get on board for this. He seems like the kind of guy that, you know, doesn't really do a, do something like this. Uh, I don't know. Bill, I mean, he, he cameoed in Ghostbusters, the new Ghostbusters. Yeah, I guess you're right. I guess that really was Space Jam. Though. Yeah, Space Jam. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Um, um, go ahead. Uh, I, I just think it was a really well-written movie. Mm-hmm. Like, the there are funny lines. There are, um, the, again, delivered well. But but that's that's the writing of it, where it is written in a way. I mean, the, the other part that I loved that was a callback to this time, and I remember this time, was when they go into where this, you know, under the, you know, shady operation is happening. And they go... Oh, this is the land of graphics that just don't look quite right. <laughs> and so Seth Rogen's character is this character that the yes, eyes, the, the uncanny, the uncanny, the land of the uncanny, land of the uncanny. Yes, yes, where where his eyes just are just dead and never meet. You know yes. the the eye line, and I so remember that from early well, games. Okay, so it's, it's called Uncanny Valley, is what it's called. So. That word, uncanny, I, that's actually a real word, a real definition. You know, I think people use that word sometimes like, oh my goodness, so uncanny. But actually, uncanny, I looked it up. The definition of uncanny is actually when something is made to look lifelike, but it's not lifelike enough that it's actually disturbing. That's what uncanny Interesting. Is. And if you think about some of the video games of, I, I don't even want to say that, the 2000s i want to say it's like the 2010s maybe like late 2000s early 2010s when 3d yeah, graphics yeah. were really coming into their own or or even it's like if you think of like the original tomb raider game that wasn't uncanny you could definitely tell that that was a video game but then you get into like tomb raider 3 where they've definitely done an upgrade to the graphics but she looks freakishly human but not really human yeah, right. It's, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the, the thing that always noticed me that I love the reference was the eyes that the, yeah. the eyes would just never quite meet. Yeah. And you're always like, okay. And, and so much of human emotion is in the eyes. hundred percent. Um, and so I, I just, that, that whole thing of, and just, you know, everyone walking around just again, like you're right. Uncanny where it was like, it looks real, but not, it's not believable. Exactly. And I, I liked that call out of, listen, this is a period of time in animation that we had. And I mean, even you watch old movies, like, I mean, even to a point, like you watch the first Toy Story. I was there's just some say that. Yeah. Yeah. There's like some the weird to- graphic things. The toys are okay, I think. And I think that's one of the reasons why you were able to get away with it. But when you look at Andy, 
Andy yeah, and Andy and Sid Tom, are the, are the they, two they, that Sid especially. Sid yeah. looks creepy, and then you kind of as we go along and you start to see them progress through the years. I mean, Toy Story Four, the graphics were absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, and the and the humans or, you know, in in all the you know, recent or, Pixar you know, movies yeah. are are fine. They 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 don't feel uncanny to well, to continue that and the thing is is now we've gotten to a point to where you can do cgi animation on real people and and you know we've seen it with mark hamill we've seen it with um uh with carrie fisher we've seen it with um you know in star wars and in various things but even then they've not perfected it yet and it has that uncanny feel you know well, it's like um, Polar Express is like this to me. I do not like the movie The Polar Express yeah, because the either. humans. I, I like the you know the music and the fun, like very fun. The motion capture people just give me the heebie-jeebies. Yeah, I with you. I feel you. I gotta say, I did have one. I, well, there were a couple, but one particular like gripe I had with this movie, besides the voices, the golden pog. The Chip and, Chippendale Golden Pog. It's not a pog. It was a slammer. Why did they have to call it a pog? The slammers were the metallic things, or sometimes plastic, and the pogs were the cardboard things. That was not a pog. It was a slammer. Why did you have to call it a pog? You guys did all this research, and you call it a pog. What the heck's wrong with you? <laughs> See, I didn't catch that because I I was too late for pogs and slammers. That was not a that wasn't a thing for. I guess that wouldn't have been because you're you're what six years younger than me, seven years. Yeah, younger. yeah. So 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 yeah. I guess that makes sense. You because pogs for me was elementary school, and I was like in fifth grade when they came out. So like I have a, I still have a tube around here somewhere of all my pogs and slammers, and I I have I have the OJ Simpson pogs. <laughs> Wait, there's multiple. <laughs> I have well. There's a whole series with with the O.J. Simpson and all the different attorneys and and the judge and everything. <laughs> I have the O.J. Simpson pogs. Yes, I do. I sure do. Oh it's, yep. it's not even like football O.J. It's like no, no. This is like trouble. Mur- this is like murder, murder your wife O.J. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. This is the this is the trial O.J. pogs. I have those. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, I've got those. I've got pogs that look like blades. I think they, I don't remember what they were called, blade pogs. I think they were just called blades. And my mom and dad always said, don't play for keeps. Don't play for keeps. Did you know what playing for keeps was? Yeah, because like the idea was like you played a game and then that yeah, was so, what you so bet you would, with. You would, you would, each person would put, I want to say it was like 10, 10 pogs of their choice down. And you put them face down and then you took your slammer and you would slam it down. And then the pogs that flipped up, you got to keep. And then you'd put okay. them left in the pile and you would slam them down again. And there were all these different techniques for how you could slam your pogs and, and everything. But you never wanted to play for keeps because if you played for keeps, the other person got to keep them. Where if you didn't play for keeps, it was just a, a fun game. It's kind of like yeah. Marvel or whatever. But uh, yeah, I, I had a whole run of them. I had a lot of like um, uh, uh, yin yang. Yin yang was a huge thing. The yin yang sign back yeah, then. Yeah, yeah. I had a bunch of those, a bunch of ones i don't know what i was into skulls for in the fifth grade but apparently i was i don't know it seems like something cool like when you're in fifth grade skulls are cool yeah yeah my brother had a bunch of sports ones i remember that because he was he was the sports guy so but yeah no um except they're not pogs they were they were it was a slammer and and i was i was i was frustrated with that but but no overall i mean the movie itself i just you can definitely tell that the filmmakers had a love for chippendale and they really did their homework in terms of how of how they they kind of went into this like that scene in the convention center you can pause it and just look around 
at the different characters, the different booths, the different signs, and all the various callbacks that they have in there. Oh. I mean, Doc McStuffins makes an appearance in this movie. (laughs) He does. Yes, he does. Um, You're right. Like, it's just there's so many good, so many good callbacks, so many Easter eggs. Like, this is one of those movies you can watch, again, 10 times and and see new Easter eggs every time. Yeah, Um, here's what I've got. So you've got Jimmy, a CGI polar bear from the Valley Gang who was meant to represent the Coca-Cola polar bear. You've got... um, uh, E.T. and Mr. Natural. Um, you got Flounder. You've got Cubby from the Lost Boys from Peter Pan. You've got um, a bootleg Bart Simpson in there. <laughs> you've got oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You've got Tigra or Tigra. I don't know who that Tigra, is. Tigra, yeah. Tigra, she's a Marvel character. Model after her appearance in Avengers United States. Okay. Um, let's see. you got Jim Cummings voices Fat Cat. Uh, Shredder. So, Okay. The scene at the end when he becomes this amalgamation of all these characters. Did yeah. you see all the different characters that he was supposed to have been? I got most of them, but not because I got the Woody leg and the Wreck-It Ralph arm. And obviously, like, Fat Cat was his face. Um, yeah, so basically I, I, what happens is Sweet Pete, they defeat him by going, or they attempt to defeat him by putting him in the machine that, you know, turns everybody into different tunes. Um, and so he, he gets turned into, like, this mashup of everything and yeah i caught the fat cat face the wreck it ralph arm and the um woody leg and there's a shredder leg too the so shredder he actually, leg he's wow. actually he's got a shredder leg and i think he's got a shredder arm i'm trying to find where i saw this i there was a i, I saw a, a thing that kind of rounded up all the different things that he was all the okay here's all the bootleg characters so amongst the rescued bootleg characters in the closing moments of the film, we see parts of the following characters mixed into other iconic tunes. Phineas from Phineas and Ferb, Abu from Aladdin, Woody Woodpecker, Samurai Jack, Jiminy Cricket, Zazu, Patrick from SpongeBob SquarePants, Launchpad McQuack, um, Mason Dip- Dipper Pines from Gravity Falls, oh, yeah. Fred Flintstones, Tigger, Cheshire Cat, Naruto, Gus from Cinderella, Sneezy from Seven White and the Seven Dwarfs, Flounder, Bambi, Tiana, Monty with the features of Dumbo, and a purple Care Bear. And, of course, the at the very end, Darkwing Duck makes his cameo in the mid-credits scenes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, the, the... Oh, here amount... it is right here. I'm sorry. So Pete, go for it. Go for it. Yeah. Pete's new form features Fat Cat's Head, Marie's, Marie's Bow from the Aristocats, John Silver's jacket from Treasure Planet, Wreck-It Ralph's left arm, even quoting his catchphrase, I'm going to wreck it, Shredder's right arm from the 2003 TMNT, which shoots out Bonsai Bills from the Super Mario franchise, Yep, yep. Buddy's right leg, Optimus Prime's left leg, and Mickey Mouse shorts. The amount of calls that had to have gone into this movie to get rights for this. Because, again, this is not all Disney things. No. I mean, obviously, with Fox, it made it a little bit easier. but Yeah, but there's a lot of that stuff that – I mean, now, ultimately, if, if, you're, if, you're, if I have a studio, if I'm animating something and a, and, a, and a studio calls me up and says, hey, this is what we're doing. Can we put your character in there? I don't know why I'm not saying no. Like, yeah. You, like it, you, oh, you want to put my character in your movie so my character can get screen time? Great, go for it. <laughs> well, you know, it's 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 funny because when Nate and I, when Nate and I were out in California a few weeks ago, we did a studio tour. We did the Warner Brothers studio tour while we were out there, 
you know, and I'm not as huge of a, you know, I don't know as much Warner Brothers content as, as I thought I did, but apparently I actually know more. But the reason why I say this is one of the things that you learn on that studio tour is that I think we, the general public, I think have a tendency to think that these studios are constantly at battle with one another. But the reality is they're not. They share resources like crazy. Warner Brothers has one of the, I'm sorry, it's the largest costume and prop warehouses in the world. And every studio goes to them for various things and rent stuff, right? Um, so it is not, uh, you know, various studios use their back lot to shoot different things. Like we learned the one area of um, uh, of their back lot, they call it the jungle area. It's a wooded area that is used for cabins and jungles and woods. They've got a giant lake. Well, we learned that Universal actually used this area to shoot the famous scene in Jurassic Park when they're in the Jeep and Malcolm's going, must go faster, must go faster. It was shot right there. We drove right over it. Like, oh, that's it was cool. Like, it was really neat. Like, it was the coolest thing. And they talked about like five or six different movies that were just shot on, on that property. And they weren't all Warner Brothers movies, they were various movies. So I say that I think you're right. I don't think that there's as much like competition among studios as we say there is. I think they work together to just create great content. And yeah, there's times where they're probably working against one another. But for the most part, I think you're right. Why wouldn't they want to have their content in someone else? Well, and there's enough of the, there's a huge pie out there and there's enough for everybody. Yeah. Like, it, it's not like Disney dominates the kids scene. I mean, uh, Despicable Me, The Rise of Gru, like shattered yeah. some records. Like, yeah. um, you know, they better did really, than, really well. Better, and than, better than Lightyear. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ugh, ugh, goodness. I have some opinions on that. This is not the place for it. I have not seen Lightyear yet. I'm waiting for I, it to come to Disney. Plus. I haven't either because I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm waiting for it to come on Disney plus. I don't really want to pay money to go see it. <laughs> I, don't I mean, I've heard it's decent, but, and, and my, and my, my qualms with it probably are not the same qualms that some people have. Why didn't you bring back Tim Allen? Like I've gotten past that. I just, yeah, I don't care about movies that. where it's like, we didn't need this movie. Yeah, that's mind. exactly. Okay. That, uh, we're on the same page. Yeah. I'm like, I didn't, I didn't really care about this. Honestly, I agree with some people. I would have rather seen a Woody's Roundup movie. Yeah, yeah. Because that's more canon in, like, they that's that's the whole, you know, crux of Toy Story 2. I would have rather have seen that than a live-action Buzz Lightyear. But, well, I think the other thing action, about that, you know. I think the other thing about that is that we kind of already had an origin story for Buzz Lightyear with the cartoons. So, like, it just... I don't know. That's not this. That's not here. Yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> but, but um, okay, anything else on, on, on Rescue Rangers that you want to bring up? I mean, rewatchable. I'm definitely going to be watching this movie again. Like, if I'm ever in the mood for just a fun movie, I'm definitely going to be putting this on. This is going to be one that um, I think is a great movie night one. you got a bunch of people coming over. It's got something for everybody. Okay, you weren't a Rescue Rangers fan. That's fine. What, what cartoon were you a fan of? You're going to kind of see some of that sprinkled in. There's something for everybody in this movie. Yeah, I completely agree. One more thing on the cameos. So other character cameos that appeared in this, just so we're clear. Three Little Pigs, Magic Carpet from Aladdin, The Colonel from 101 Dalmatians, um, Linda Flynn Fletcher from Phineas and Ferb, um, The Little House, Doc McStuffins, uh, Winchell and Duncan from Wreck-It Ralph, Professor Norton, Nimmel, Wart, and Meps from the original series. And the non-Disney characters included two of the Jellicle Cats from the 2019 film adaptation of Andrew Lloyd Webber's musical Cats, uh, Blaster oh Transformers, several characters from My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, Randy Marsh from South Park, 
Yeah, McGruff, I, okay, I remember seeing the South Park, and I was like, what? McGruff, the t- crime dog, and Detective Flores from Big Mouth. Um, yeah, I just, I, Disney, if you're listening, well, I would love to think that I've got a Disney exec listening to our show. Um, Disney, if you're listening, more of this. Like, yeah, you, you have clearly established what could potentially be a universe among films now between uh, Roger Rabbit and this. Yes, they're set in different time periods. There's probably a way that you can connect them. There is a clear demand, a clear demand for people's fan favorite characters to interact with one another, not just from Disney perspective. This goes back ages when there are crossovers. People love that stuff, right? Yeah. Think, think house of mouse. Like, I know there's been a big push. Why is House of Mouse not on Disney Plus yet? Like, I, 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 I don't understand. Because I don't I either. Watch the living daylights out of House I of Mouse. I would too. And make a 2022 version of House of Mouse. You could make an amazing series with it, and that would be enough to draw people to Disney Plus. I've said, I think I said this in the Facebook group map, and I think I've said it a couple times to you. My three-year subscription to Disney Plus is set to end in November, and I do not plan to re-up it. Yeah. At this point in time. I don't have anything keeping me to Disney plus um, maybe high school musical, the musical, the series, <laughs> but, but again, yeah. what you can do with that is wait. Okay. You know, you're not going to get it when it premieres, No, but you can wait till all the episodes are out and then watch you them pay all. for, you pay for a month, you'll yep. watch it and you're done. That's what like, I'm doing with Paramount plus when survivor comes out, I, 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 it's a 12 week season. I have three months of it. I'll watch it cancel it and then pick it back up in the spring and watch yeah, three months I mean, of it there like it just to me i just there's it's so funny because i remember calling when i was a kid i remember calling for the idea why can't there just be kind of like an a la carte option of the different channels that you want and I, my friend at the time sam he's like well because people would only pick certain channels and new channels would never have an up-and-coming way to survive and then then at that point netflix kind of became a thing and then hulu became a thing and then very quickly it became clear that all of these different production companies were going to kind of come out with their own streaming services and we're in the exact same boat that we were before if you want a little bit here or a little bit here you got to pay a lot of money mm-hmm. it just you know it, it'd be nice if we could just figure out a way to say i want this or i want this and i guess that's what itunes is for i suppose yeah you, know, you want just a little bit of something no i hear you but yeah i mean so that's where in my house like we use disney plus every day like yeah, with our kids, that's part of our bedtime routine. <laughs> yeah. Like I use it. A, I, I actually use it quite a lot as well. Um, Cause I, 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 I'm always been a movie fan. So I'll just randomly, like I randomly the other day, I was like, I really want to watch the movie up. And so I watched the movie up. Um, like that's just, well, a, still have never seen that one. I think you've never seen up. You knew that I did. I don't remember that. I have never seen it. No. Oh, I, we have to do I an think, up episode. I think episode. it's one we probably have to do an episode on. We I do. Think I, I've classified it in the category of Wally of like you got to be in the mood to do it. Yeah, um, you 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 are right. It is a little bit of a mood movie. Um, not as much as Wally. Really, but, I always thought it'd be more than Wally. Um, uh, the first ten minutes are are a film masterpiece of emotion. Okay. All right. Um, all right. You, you will watch the first ten minutes and go. Oh my gosh, you'll, you'll probably be in tears because I know like, I like the only character I know I I know I know Kevin I know she's in there, and I know Doug, the dog. That's it. I don't I don't know any of the other characters. Like you don't you don't know that there's an old man in it. Well, I know there's an old man, but I couldn't tell you his name. And I think there's like a Boy Scout. I couldn't tell you his yeah, name. Yeah, yeah, uh, Carl and Russell. Yeah, no clue. No okay. clue. Okay. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we should we should plan we should plan that one at some point. All that, right. 
I, I think that movie is definitely worth watching. Um, it, it, it's it's got some good moments in it. Um, anyway, we are we are now off the reservation, but uh, I think it's about closing time, Casey. I agree. Um, we got some great episodes coming up here here next week. We got Thor: Love and Thunder. You finally have seen that. Uh, yeah, and we're going to talk about that, continuing our Marvel series. Um, and then Casey that, back on a Marvel episode. I didn't think I, it was going to happen. <laughs> so yeah, so we got we got Thor: Love and Thunder. The following week, we got Diz Games. Um, if anybody's interested in doing a Diz Game listener challenge with us, let us know. We're never opposed to that. That's always fun. Just get out to us, which we give you. And then the week after that, we've got ooh the Disney Cruise Line, especially yeah. with the, the new Wish setting sail this week. And I've got a lot of friends out there on that, on that maiden voyage right now. So, but yeah, it is closing time. So. Uh, if you would like to get a hold of us, you can find us at our website, www.sorcerernetwork.com. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at beersears1928. You can email us at beersandears1928 at gmail.com. Um, one thing I want to call out real quick, um, I am going to be a special guest on another podcast this week. You're going to hear Ooh. me on Tuesday, not only our episode, which is releasing the day, if you're listening to this early today, but also today, if you go and search the Customer's First Podcast with Tacey Atkinson, she is a wonderful person that I met at Momentum last year. Um, she is inviting me on, and I'm going to be talking about um, being a manager, specifically when you're promoted to management, what do you need to do in your first 100? What do you need to do when you first arrive to set that tone? So uh, I would love for you to take a listen to that. And again, it's called the Customer's First Podcast with Tacey Atkinson. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's raise our glasses. Yes. This episode has been on us. We will see you next time. Have a great day, everybody. And Chippa Chip and Dale, Rescue Rangers, Chippa Chip and Dale. Rescue Rangers! Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to a Sorcerer Network podcast.